Bonjour and welcome to the Cabin Fever podcast. Hola. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> well, you took bonjour from me. I, don't I know. know. <laughs> and also, usually I go like, I'm Maddie, and then you sing something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I just kind of panicked and went, hola. <laughs> well, unfortunately, today it's all about improvisation. I'm just kidding. I have so many notes for this episode. Good God. But (laughs) a little bit of improv to start us off, Fiona. Where are we coming to them from today? Well, Maddie, it's dark. It's a little little damp, both on the ground and in the air. Okay. And in the mood. (laughs) It's pretty pretty down mood, some would say. A dampened mood. A somber mood, would some say? Somber, somber, somber. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's flashing lights. And I think they're actually coming from cameras. Are they camera flashes? And there's fire. And you know, Jesus truth be told, I don't remember if there was a fire. No. Okay, well, in this reimagining, there is. We're at the scene of Princess Diana's car crash. Great. In a tunnel in Paris. Well done. Thank you for describing a tunnel as dark and, like, wet. Is it not dark and I, I this is my one to research too, so this is gonna go really well. Great. Spoiler alert, guys, Fiona will be taking us through that fatal night in Paris later on in this episode. But for now we're gonna kick things off as we always do with a win and wine, but given how we took up half of last week's episode with it, let's try and keep these brief. Fiona, what's your win? My win is that I mean, I think it is actually, if you think about it, a win and a wine. Um, is that I have realized today that I think, you know, I'm going to do my win and wine in one. You'll see why. I think that I could be an incredible chef, like award-winning, I write cookbooks, I tour the world for how good my cooking is. But I think the only way that I can get there is to go through an incredibly tragic heartbreak and divorce in my like early 50s. And then I have like a rebirth and then I discover food because honestly, Riley does most of the cooking. So I have to learn how to cook for myself and I rediscover, I discover a passion for food that I never knew I had. And I invent all these amazing flavors. And I genuinely think in my heart of hearts that part of my soul is destined to do that. Um, But it's a wine because I'm in a very happy, healthy relationship. Um, And I expect that to continue even in my early 50s. So... It's you a win know what? That is I sad because I could see you having like a later in life eat, pray, love sort of thing that does have a yeah. strong culinary aspect. But I also have a really good relationship. I know. And I again, yeah. I do see that continuing happily for you. Exactly. So it's kind of just like a bummer, I guess, like because I do really feel that my I have that in me to really have that great cooking vibe and becoming famous for how good my recipes are. But it actually can only be unlocked by that. And so it is a win, you know, learning something new about myself that I do entirely believe to be true. And it's a wine because it's very unlikely to ever happen. My other wine that I did have just so I can knock them both out was realizing that people can just wear plain clothes into the gym. Like if I wanted to. What do you mean plain? I mean, I don't know why I sound so shocked by that because my shock, I'm a little bit, if I'm honest, I'm distracted because I was texting a boy and I put that away now, but I, (laughs) I could, if you wanted to Maddie, you could go to the gym right now. Actually, we would never do this because we're not, we're not horrible people, Mm -hmm. but I could rock up to the gym and there could just be a man there wearing some baggy jeans and a suit jacket and a white t-shirt, that kind of outfit. And he could just be doing 
a workout in that. And I don't think that should be legal. This is why I'm saying my reaction to it was really based in me, like just tuning in after sending a text because I I do think it's horrifying. I I think it's horrifying, but I'm not shocked. Like I'm aware that that's the thing that happened. So I don't think that what was really valid, (laughs) but like, I think it's fucked up. And I think that it should be, if not like heavily frowned upon, not allowed. There needs to be a dress code. You have to be in sneakies. Yeah. You've got to be in a workout. Yeah. Yeah. If no they can jinx. say in order to get into the MCC at the MCG that you have to have a collared shirt on if you're a guy and you're not allowed to wear sneakers, then yeah. in the gym, they can say the opposite. The opposite, you know? yeah. Because yeah. you're so a member of is... a gym. It may not be quite as exclusive, but <laughs> it might um, be. We don't know your life. Yeah. So that is my wine, just knowing that exists. That but is gross. Your, because your... like, imagine the yeah. kind of shit that I wear to the gym is like leggings and then a giant t-shirt. I'm just yeah, imagining anyone looking normal seeing me like that. That makes me feel ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. Especially because like, I could imagine someone being full glam and dressed up. Because I'm like, funny, like whatever. Like that's just like funky. Like full glam with a workout outfit. It's like, that's society, go for it. No, but I'm saying like, if you wore like a pink sequins dress, I'd be like, lol, that's funny that you got like going out ready. But just like average clothes. These are probably mainly with like men then. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but even a man in a full suit, I'd be like, that's kind of funny. Like I feel like I'm I'm watching like a skit or something. But if they were just there and like jeans and a button down i'd just be disgusted yeah just out of curiosity have you ever actually been in a gym where someone's come in in like full-on street clothes no okay i just i realized that it isn't illegal and i was upset by that fact that's fair that's what we're about here at the cabin (laughs) anyway what's your win and wine maddie my win is that my main character energy has come back with a bang because you're talking to a boy no before that Okay, good. <laughs> Remember that thing that happened? I mean, like, I love that we've dropped that so many times already in this episode. Yes, guys, I have been talking to boys and I'm back. <laughs> I'm back in the game, maybe. really just chucked an S on there, didn't you? Yeah. There are really multiple. There are multiple, Fiona, and that's where the main character energy comes in. So everyone knows Very that I do you. have strong MCE. Doi. But my previous relationship really killed everything inside of me. Um, and <laughs> that's how you really feel. <laughs> and along with that, like the main character energy started to drain away, yeah. and like it was still there within within me. But as we discussed in our episode, mm. how to be the main character, a large part of it is external. Like it is just the universe identifying you as a main character and sure. making things happen accordingly. Yeah. And boy, has my life started driving itself again. Do you remember Fiona? Mm-hmm. That thing that happened, I'm going to have to try to be not vague enough that, like, it's entertaining for you guys. Basically, there was something a few episodes ago that I foreshadowed during an intro. And we <laughs> yes. were like, this is going to be, like, it was basically me threatening Fiona, I'll just say it, I don't care, that I was going to to DM that random gamer that I was talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. I got bored, I feel like, a week or so ago, like, two weeks ago, I just got bored. And I was like, I'm not going to DM him. But I'm just going to follow him and like two of his photos. Within a couple of hours, this person who has like multiple thousands of followers yeah. had seen that I'd liked his photos, had done enough research to find out that I had had a breakup and had slid into my DMs. And yeah. I was just like, I was laughing so hard. Like I, 
was losing my mind. And this happened like when Fiona was asleep. So it was just me and Harris like cackling <laughs> at the fact that like I'd been threatening Fiona as a joke that this random gamer yeah. I have never met in my life have no mutual friends with who has like yeah. 300,000 subscribers like no on YouTube connection. and makes <laughs> Animal Crossing videos. I was like, I could DM him Fiona. And then and I would say, please all don't. All I had to do was just chuck a follow, two likes, Bob's your uncle. <sighs> So yeah. that was kind of like me being like, wow, the main character energy is back. And I've really yeah. missed just like very ridiculous, entertaining things happening. Yeah. And that energy is undoubtedly back in my life. Um, I do still have a wine though. What is it? It's earth shattering and it will be for all of you as it was for me. Oh God. Ye oldie. Never a thing. Oh yeah. No, it was I actually never that. a thing. Yeah. What we think is the why in ye old is actually a letter we just don't have anymore, which was a combined TH. So you're looking at the oldie sweet shop. I love a good ye oldie. It is. Like, and great, it ties yeah. in with hear ye. And now I'm like, is hear ye just hear thee? Like, and it might mm. be because that also makes grammatical sense. Yeah. I don't want to know. I'm telling you now that's my personal boundary. Don't tell me if hear ye is not a friggin' thing. I'm zipping my lips. Yep. I don't want to know. But yeah, now you all know that hear ye is not a real thing. Um, yeah. That it is just a dead letter. And now that I've shared that fact with all of us, I will go back to ignoring it. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing when I learned that was um, deciding that Y was always meant to be said as TH. So like yellow is fellow. That is a good flip side. And I will yeah. be taking that on board. Like egg yolk, egg thok. That's like when I went through that fun phase when it was really annoying you that I kept describing myself as miserable. Mm, like and the time I, would... I also started just rolling all of my R's. That was really fun. Yeah, but that was that harder was for you really than for fun. me. Yeah, that I think that annoyed Riley a lot. It didn't bother me, and it took up a it lot of time for lot. you. Yeah. Whereas the time I started saying time ch- I was willing to put in, or the time that I started saying things like chandelier, like with always the hard th, like yeah. that was a great time. Um, yeah. So what you're learning here is that cabin fever is the most appropriate name for this podcast possibly ever. <laughs> Truly, especially last episode. So part one of this royal family PR disasters, we recorded a 20 minute intro and we were like, uh, this we're going like, to blaze so, through this one. Yeah. We're like that episode was so long, but it was mostly because of that 20 minute long intro. We wouldn't do that again. We're already at 17 minutes. So. Love it. So let's just, let's dive right in. Let's dive in in our last episode in part one which i know you've already listened to but you might be busy so you may have heard it yesterday i don't know we covered <laughs> prince philip's family tampon gate the squidgy tapes the royal family documentary it's a royal knockout and princess anne's abduction so that's mm-hmm. what you've missed and if you haven't listened you're a psychopath i have to listen to everything in order there's something wrong with you um love you though stay leave us a great review <laughs> this episode we're going to be covering the big four no, there's more than what? that. I was like, there's up. more than God. We really prattled on last episode, and by we, we I mean are me. prattly prats. Mm. More content for you guys, though. Good times. You're welcome. Let's just let's just freaking jump into it. Let's just go. Yeah. Let's just go. Can I start? Can I start with dating princess? Actually, no. You start. No, I wanted. To, I'm gonna start. I'm, I'm starting. Do you want to start? Because then there will be three of mine in a row. Fine, you can start. But I want you to start with Anis Horribilis. You want me to start with the Anis Horribilis? Yes. Okay. So, guys. I just wanted the... some control. I don't know what this one's about. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a very mild place to kick us off for this episode. But you Let's know do what? It. True fans of the party are just here to find out if I really am texting boys or not. So... 
<laughs> so they've already checked out. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah, because they know I am. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm 28. So. <laughs> Continue. Today we're kicking off with what is probably going to be the shortest, shortest one of this whole thing, which is great. Mm-hmm. The Annus Horribilis is our topic that is related to the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II. And the Annus Horribilis is basically just a really shit year that she had. It was 1992. Her 1992 was what 2018 was to me. It was just a shit time. She doesn't want to think about it. It was absolutely cursed. And it gets its name from the fact that during one of the speeches she made, she made a speech at Parliament at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And she referred to the year as an Annus Horribilis. Which is okay. just Latin for, like, a really horrible year. I mean, right? yeah, we could all dissect that one a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, Latin really comes Not everyone clutch. has the privilege of a grammar school education. Not everyone is familiar with the Cambridge Latin course Caecilius and Metella, okay? Not everyone went to Latin camp with the boys' school and kissed a boy by the river. Woohoo. That's right, guys. Saucy, you're right. I'm not Continue. the only slut around here. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Annus Horribilis was just a really bad year for Queen Elizabeth, and how I'm going to go through this is just dot point what happened that year. Okay. Um, Going into this year, the royal family was in, like, a slightly precarious position, because it's 1992, and we've talked about things that were happening throughout the 80s and early 90s (gasps) earlier on in this episode. That's upsetting. That was the year I was born. Yeah, I'm younger, so I'm 93, so I was not born during the horrible year. Yeah, and you, like, were at the start of... The next year, which was good. Oh, I'm sorry, Lizzie, for being part of your bad year. Mm. Maybe you were a highlight. Maybe you're why she got through it. Yeah, I was born during the Olympics, so maybe she liked the Olympics, or maybe like organizing stuff for that. Was really? Stressful. But you're you're late September. I am. Yeah, and like I don't I don't know how it lined up, but that's crazy. I I heard that they would like nurse me and like watch the Olympics in the middle of the night because you would like watch it live in the middle of the night. Maybe that's why you're convinced you can do every sport. <laughs> probably yeah. i also found out you know how i really like lemons sorry for this really quick sidebar oh God, yes. i did i did have memories of yeah, I liking just love lemons how my only response is always i always get so upset that, that anyone might think that lemons are just your thing and every single time i'm like let's just get over it maddie and this time i was like don't say anything about it and here we are <laughs> So I knew that I liked eating lemons as like a kid, like in kindergarten and stuff. Uh-huh. I was recently informed by my parents that literally as a baby, they would like, like they would try and feed me stuff. And I was like, no, no. And then they would give me a lemon, which I was like, yum, yum. Why were you Italian? Why was, where were you bargaining Fiona as a baby? <laughs> Look, she was born young. Um, but- we all are. <laughs> and I was born into a family. We'll throw back to last episode. Well, insensitive to Stuart um, Little. <sighs> but yeah, I just love like that people literally do like videos of feeding their babies lemons to look at their little squished up faces. And I was just like, a delicious snack. Thank you, mother. <laughs> like, yeah, you anyway. are an absolute monster. I am. All right. There anyway. is something about babies' taste buds where they can eat certain things that are gross to us or strong to us. And it's nothing to a baby. But I'm not going to go into that science because first of all, I don't know it. And second of all, we're 20 minutes in. Yeah. Okay. So... Where the royal family was at the start of 1992 is slightly precarious because Uh we're getting into the era where like the, the, the shine is starting to come off a bit and it's a danger zone. They're not feeling as, um, as solid and as secure in their position as they were. So on March 19th, Prince Andrew and Fergie announced their separation. And keep in mind the royal family's history with divorce and separation up until this point, Princess Margaret was the first major royal to get divorced since Henry VIII. Yeah. 
So, like, this is a big deal. So March yeah. 19th, Andrew and Fergie separate. April 23rd, Princess Anne divorces Mark Phillips, which was still a real taboo at this point. Yeah. April 23rd, a distant nephew of the Queen's committed suicide. June 7th, the Princess Diana tell-all book came out, which we will get to later. August 20th, Fergie's topless pics hit the press, which again, we'll get to. <laughs> August 24th, the squidgy tapes from part one were made public. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much of like, hit the marriages are falling apart and people are acting out in the press and all this info that was meant to be like very firmly hidden behind palace doors yeah. is right out in the open as are but Fergie's I did hear, I did hear actually, as she went to sleep on the 23rd of September... She felt a little light in her heart. And that was me being born in a different time zone. That's why it was not September 24th. Well, actually, would you know what? I did actually make a little note here. So August yeah. 24th was when the squidgy tapes were made public. The next bad thing doesn't happen until October. So I think she really was just vibing with the knowledge that you had entered the world. Oh, love that. Yeah. However, in October, <laughs> some Germans did throw eggs at the Queen in Dresden. Yeah, look, Which I was one fun. month old. I was distracted. I would have protected her if I could, but I was only a month old. No, I was just... You're too busy, like, chugging lemon juice and watching the powerlifting <laughs> in the Olympics. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a really accurate description of just me as a baby. I can just really see it. <laughs> Disturbing. Yeah. Um, then, November 20th, and this is a big one, uh-huh. Windsor Castle caught on fire. Ooh, yeah. Like... And we're not even just talking, like, a little bit of it. Like, millions and millions and millions of dollars of damage. Like, so much of this castle, it was completely up in flames. Completely yeah. destroyed. Um, luckily, though, they managed to get pretty much all the artifacts out. So, they got there pretty early. I don't know how a bunch didn't go up in smoke. But I think they only lost something like three significant arts. Which is wild when you yeah. see what this fire looked like. Like, it was insane. And they sort of formed a bit of a chain with everyone like passing all the important things out. Like the queen was there. Andrew was there. The whole gang was there. And Windsor castle is really, really important to the queen, which is why this yeah. hits so hard. Cause that's where she lived when she was younger. Like yeah, I'm that's pretty like sure she spent, home. yeah, like the war days there and things like that. And it is, it was like watching like her family like childhood home. Yeah. yeah. Like go up and smoke as if that wasn't shit enough. Mm-hmm. people got to see all the stuff that was coming out of Windsor Castle to get saved from the fire. Ooh. Yeah, because it's kind of easy to forget how rich the royals are when you're not seeing it. Yeah. But when you're seeing, like, carpets the size of a football pitch being brought out, like, painting after painting after painting, statues, grand pianos, like, like gold shit like the most opulent like piles and piles of tupperware (laughs) (laughs) and it's all actual tupperware branded fergie threw a party and the queen attended (laughs) none of this kmart bs for queen elizabeth thank you (laughs) but it was just this really like unavoidable visual display of how rich these people were and republican sentiment was pretty big Like, it was growing at this time, and this did not help. And so then a few days later, on November 24th, um, this is when she made that speech where she addressed the year as the Annus Herubilis. And she does talk. Like, she addresses the fact that people were starting to feel a little bit over it in terms of the royals, particularly financially. Yeah. And there was this whole thing where, like, the, the people were meant to foot the bill for rebuilding 
Windsor Castle, Ooh. which would have been huge. Yeah, and it was just help. so hard to defend that because they've just seen millions and millions of dollars of artifacts being carried out. Yeah, they're like, sell one and you can do it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, we we are struggling. What do you do? Yeah. So it was just like everything coming together in a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, and two days later, so two days after that speech, due to all this pressure... Um, the Prime Minister announced reforms, so particularly financial reforms that included things like the Queen starting to pay tax, mm-hmm. which would be sad for me, so I imagine also for very, very rich old people with a God-given right to rule. But the <laughs> fact that, like, to make a change that, that seems obvious, she should have been paying tax. Like, yeah. everyone obviously should have been paying tax, but... The fact that that shift was made at the end of that horrible year really shows that the royal family was kind of backed into a corner. Yeah. Like, sentiment was really changing. Yeah. And that's not even the end of the year. So that November, like, 26th around was when it was announced she would start paying taxes. Sad times. December 9th, Charles and Diana's separation is announced in Parliament. God. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge one because it's the Prince of Wales. And now we're like, yeah, he was fucking Camilla the whole time. But then it was like full on the people. Yeah, at the time it wasn't, yeah, known. Yeah. And the final thing that happened and contributed to the Annus Horribilis was on December the 12th, Princess Anne, who we recall got divorced in April, remarried a commoner. Yeah. Like, that's very soon after the divorce. I think they were separated for a while. And honestly, I wouldn't count this as technically part of the Annus Horribilis from the Queen's point of view. Because, like, they're, like, they're still together. But just, like, the institution just don't like any royals marrying any one not. Yeah. Like, and especially not when you're divorced. And, like, it was just yeah. at the end of a year where they really didn't need it. But I do feel like it probably was, like, a happy family moment. Like, they do look genuinely happy at this wedding and they're still together. Yeah. Um. But in terms of PR, you've had and like three, yeah. three of your four children are splitting up with their, their partners publicly yeah. in this year. Plus the fire, plus all of like your dirty laundry being aired for pretty much the first time ever. Yeah. Not a good time for Queen Elizabeth. So that's the Annus Horribilis. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I would... Oh, sorry, we have to rank it. Yeah, we've got to rank it. So, okay. first up, iconic oh, to embarrassing... <laughs> I think it's just, like, new. I guess all the things were bad for her, though, actually. When you think about how they all... Like, the fact that three out of the four kids, every single one of those kids that was married split up with their... Yeah, and, like, having everyone realise how rich you are and, like, enough to make tax reform. Like, I And the imagery of Windsor Castle. Like, when you see that fire, you're like, wow. Like, it was on fire. It was smouldering for, like, months. I feel like embarrassing isn't the right word, but it's, like, it's not good. It's you know? honestly going more towards iconic because it's like <laughs> the fact she did survive it and now people do generally like the queen. Yeah. The fact that she in parliament said a year that's been, according to one of my more sympathetic correspondents, an Annus Horribilis. Like she literally <laughs> got up in parliament and was like, I've had a shit time. Yeah. So I wouldn't give her, I wouldn't be in towards iconic. Yeah. Iconic, but not ideal. Yeah. Perfect. Now, the street cred. Yeah, it was just so far down. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Was, I would say 
Yeah, you add it all together. We've got some things that we've already ranked on this scale that happened during this year. It's got to be a I negative think, three. Yeah, negative three. Yeah. Would you fire the publicist? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Time Would those your... divorces better. Yeah, time those divorces better. Stop the freaking book from coming out. Like, yeah. the fire you can't do much about, but you really could have played off the financial aspect a little bit smarter. But yeah. as I'm sure we'll come to in the aftermath of Diana's death, they were not, they didn't really learn until later on about no. how to appease the public. Um, relevance level, high. High, very high. Because like, all the things added up, like, Jesus, yeah. yeah, high. And also, a lot of anyone that's our parents' age, if you're like Anna Cerebalist, they'd be like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. Which one of us is the queen having this year? Um, I feel like me. This is, I'm like, prior to 2018, you? Yeah. Yeah, no, one of my downfalls is I do, I do tend to coast. Yeah, I was going to say, like, your main, your bad times are honestly kind of uneventful. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, it they just kind just of like... exists. It's yeah. not like events. I think if someone's going to have, like, a shit ton of events happen, it would be me. Yeah, because she's so, having yeah. a bad time and it's just a bad time. Whereas I think as we've proven this year, if I have a bad time, I capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah, so this one's you. Yeah. Congratulations, you're the queen. Thank you. <laughs> now, Fiona, queen of the podcast, what would you like to address next? Um, I would love to talk about dating princes. Go for as it. As a theme. So I we're not going to talk about like their actual relationships. Like that's too real and that's people's lives and like really saves. Unlike <laughs> the rest of that, this. I was going to say that's people's lives as if we're not doing an entire podcast about it. But also I, I feel like Prince William podcast? and Prince Harry's dating lives like you know about that already. You maybe did not know about John Travolta on It's a Royal Knockout. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to be talking about the actual relationships, uh, but I do want to discuss the cultural impact and the way that like social sentiment has changed towards dating the princes. Mm-hmm. So first up, right now, right, everyone's loving Harry. Like everyone's mm-hmm. like, Harry is so hot. Like there's so many like TikToks that I've seen where they're like making fun of William and then being like, Harry is hot as fuck. My cousin, who's 19, sent me a DM the other day just, like, losing it because Prince William is, like, not even 10 years older than me. So, like, that is what the perspective is. Like, in her mind, he should be, like, our parents' age. Yeah. um, My 15-year-old cousin the other day said that I wouldn't be allowed to come to her 18th because I'll be 31 then. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And she was like, you'll be old. And I was like, that's disgusting. But honestly kind of fair but then she realized that riley also couldn't come and she said she'd make an <laughs> exception for riley <laughs> it's so like the dynamic with that cousin is like i am the one who gets bullied which is so rare for the dynamic of riley and i but i'm like it is a nice reprieve for riley yeah after being they really like ganging me, up on like me. all of last year exactly <laughs> um but yeah and anyway you, all of her life Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, about one year after she came out of the egg. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to talk about the fact that now Prince Harry's hot, but growing up when we were younger, when we were young ladies and teenagers, maybe, maybe not teenagers as much. No, um, still teenagers. He yeah, still true. had hair at his wedding and that was 2011. True, yeah. And mm-hmm. teenagers growing up in a Commonwealth country where the royal family is kind of like present all the time, Prince William was hot as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. he was the hot one. If you guys don't know this because you are Gen Z, first of all, thank you for listening and thinking that we're cool. Uh, and secondly, <laughs> Google Prince William Young. And he is a a certified babe. A bit of a He's hottie. He's a snack. Yeah. So I just think that that is really interesting because it, the whole thing was like, 
he's hot and he's a prince. Like, oh my God, like you could, you could marry a prince and be a princess. And Harry was literally just like the bad boy and looked like a little rat. He kind of gives you like rat from flushed away vibes, which would think, make you think he's more my type. Um, <laughs> like William but, would have kind of like, he seemed like a lot more of a fun time also. He probably was more of a fun time back in the day, but he'd like, like presentable, but he had kind of scruffy hair and he would go out and you'd cheek. see photos of him doing things. Whereas it was, Harry- it was, like, it was like Disney Prince Charming. Yes, like, it was like exactly. that kind of vibe. It was like that. A Whereas Harry, prince. you would just see like naked playing billiards or ac- not accidentally. He very much wore a Nazi wore a uniform to, yeah. to a costume party. So yeah. It was just like, and his, like, his hair was all scruffled and his face was always like red and flushed. And now he's just a hunky man. Um, now? But yeah. Oh, you're talking about Harry. Oh, thank God. Harry is I now a like, hunky man. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> um, so just in case you guys weren't aware of that, that is how we grew up thinking Will is hot and Harry is just a weird little scruffy, you know, naughty boy. Yeah, very um, much air and a spare energy. Truly. Um, and then when Prince William got married, uh, you know, sentiment did not shift straight away, but there was a show called Dating Harry, which... And can I tell you, yes? this was Fiona's sole request when planning this <laughs> podcast episode, <laughs> really was that she to wanted do- to talk about the short-lived reality show Dating, Dating Harry. Harry. Okay. Hi, guys. Editing Maddie here. Fiona's also here. I uh, just wanted to let you know... At- pretty much no point does she say the correct title of this show it was called i want to marry harry not mm-hmm. dating prince harry um and also i just can't be expected to know everything a fair amount of what she is about to tell you about this show is also not true but like we should be clear that i'm accidentally lying i honestly thought it was true it yeah it's just a complete lack of research rather than malice i researched a lot then how did you think they dated for two I years? I just don't keep everything in my brain. I, I'm not a human Wikipedia You don't page. keep anything in your brain. Yeah, that warm brain cell. She's working overtime. Jesus Christ. Anyway, they <laughs> didn't date for two years, guys. They saw each other a couple of times after the show. But I just wanted to pop in here and just... Just roast me? Yeah, because I do so much research for I this podcast. I just keep on their toes. You never know what's going to be real or not. And That's true. You can trust most things I say on this podcast. But if a fact has come from Fiona, you probably want to Google it. But like... Fitty fitty. Oh my god. Fun. There's just so much to unpack <laughs> because essentially, um, yeah, everyone was like, you know, Will's gone. All the places that they colonized and, you know, were commonwealthy. They're like, well, Will's no longer there. All eyes on Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show didn't come out until 2014. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and the wedding is- was like mid-2011. And that was like royal, yeah. royal wedding mania. <laughs> so it came out in 2014. And the concept was that they had 12 American girls, mostly like aspiring models, actresses. Like in 2021, they would be influencers kind of vibes. And they're all in the running to marry Prince Harry. Except... Isn't Prince Harry? Shockingly, it's uh, this random guy called Matthew Hicks. Um, and honestly, <laughs> he's just a random British ginger. He's just a random British ginger. They did actually like have a lot of people audition, and it's really funny because he doesn't actually look that. Like he's like no, he does ginger, but he's not like a lookalike. No, um, and, and he, never... he doesn't look anything. No, like and I'd say he... Ed Sheeran looks more like Prince Harry. Yeah. Than this guy does. <laughs> And he hadn't done, like, Harry lookalike work before. Like, it wasn't like he was, like, hired to be a lookalike. So they found this guy. And honestly, most of the show was capitalizing on the fact that 
like these women did not actually know what Prince Harry looks like. This is um, what I wonder about the casting process. Like, did they put down like five headshots where no one was Prince Harry in front of these women? And, and were see like, if they can you tell. identify which one's Prince Harry? And mm. the ones who were like, none of them, they don't cast her. But, but I think as well, like, a single person. It makes me believe when Meghan Markle was like, honestly, I did not know that much about him or the royal family. Because, like, they just don't in America. Like, for the most part, they just no, really Fiona, don't know that much about I'm sorry. Think about the surveillance we've done on, like, anyone that I've been talking to. Oh, true. Like, I guess, like, dating-wise. But anyway, the and point is... And she'd been to Buckingham Palace. Like, I, I believe that she didn't understand what she was getting into. True. But there's no way in hell you don't type in a single Google and you're completely unaware of him. Yeah. Like, just impossible. Anyway, um, so I thought it we was, We are like, on Team Meghan and Harry, though, obviously. Obviously. Racism bad. um but the main thing was i thought it was just bad that they were like oh like we just won't know who he is but it turns out that like the producers and the whole show went to actually really great lengths to convince them so there were some girls who were actually quite skeptical throughout it so the first thing was that they were all isolated in this castle for a week before and so they kind of get a bit of cabin fever going in uh did they know what the show was that they were going on they knew that they were going to be meeting, like, someone who was, like, elite or something, I think. Okay, but I don't so think they, they didn't know Harry. it was Prince Harry. Okay. Yes, they weren't, like, Googling Harry beforehand to, like, brush up or whatever. Because he was heavily in, like, my main memory of the dating lives of the princes in the late 2000s, early 2010s, was yeah. they would always be in, in the tabloids that would be at the hairdressers. Yeah, true. So, like, you would see him. So if they had known it was Prince Harry, like... The, the yeah. jig would have been up immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they actually knew, but they knew they were going to be dating, like, some very, very eligible bachelor kind of thing, mm. but not him. Um, and then, although it's really nice, because I cannot find it anywhere in Australia to watch, and I was so mad about it. Um, and then, yeah, so they're isolated for a week. That was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also throughout it, they would do things like, one of them was saying that, she would be in her room and assume that the producers thought she was asleep and then walk past and be like, have conversations like the Royal family's really mad about this. And like speaking into radios and having conversations when the girls think that the producers think that they're asleep. We could pull this off. Yeah, we could. Um, And then they also (laughs) had a therapist come in who was just like a paid person, like not an actual therapist. (laughs) To talk about their, like, experiences. I don't know if this was on camera or not, but talk about their... You'd think they could have just got a real therapist. Like, the rate would probably be cheaper. No, 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 no. As in, they got a therapist to come in, and if the girls expressed doubts about him, the therapist was like, no, like, you're just, you're in a foreign country. Like, it's okay to feel nervous about this kind of thing, but, like, you're being a bit crazy and paranoid. Like, you need to work through that. Ah, so completely unethical for any real therapist. Yes, yeah, that's okay. why I was like, They're they couldn't actually get a therapist. these contestants. <laughs> yeah. They're like, so, this isn't Prince Harry. I know it's not Prince Harry. And the therapist's like, have you tried sleeping, sweetheart? Yeah, they're like, oh, like, have you actually thought about, like, maybe your insecurities coming from your past relationships? They had, like, someone who was pretending to be a therapist, like, full of manipulate them. So that's why I was like, surely at some point you'd realize he's not Prince Harry, especially because so many times he just, like, doesn't know shit because he's not properly trained. But then, like, yeah, it turns out, like, they would be having conversations in the rooms when they thought they weren't there. They isolated them for a week. They had this therapist and, like, so many other things that it's like, okay, like, I kind of get it. Like, you could be tricked into that. Was there a winner? 
Were there challenges? Yeah. What yeah, happened? Yeah, so what, what happened is, like, they would have the whole... I think it was, like, yeah, so each week someone would be, like, kicked off, like, Bachelor style. Like, he would choose Love the someone. idea Prince Harry's schedule is this wide open. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, but, like, that, that's what some of the things they would talk about when they're, like, oh, the royal family's mad. They're, like, they want him back at Buckingham Palace, but, like, he said he's having this really great connection with her. Like, what do we do? I bet they would thing. have had, like, really great just shots of him always landing dramatically in a helicopter. They did. They had many yeah. of those. Um, yeah. So he would, they would have like different dates and like different themed parties and stuff. Um, and then each week he would kick someone off. Uh, so someone wouldn't get a rose or whatever they had, maybe a tiny little tiara. Um, and then at the end it was revealed, like the winner was chosen and it was revealed that he was not indeed Prince Harry, but he was just an average bloke. And did the girl still love him for him kind of thing. How is she um, meant to love him for him if she knows literally nothing about him? Cause like she's been vibing with his personality, you know, the vibe. I don't know. Anyway, they did end up dating. Like, she said, like, yes, I still love him. Because, like, obviously you're not going to be on, like, national television and be like, no, I only wanted you if you were rich. I mean, add um, Stockholm Syndrome at that point. You've invested yeah. so much sunk cost fallacy, <laughs> you know. Psychologically, these girls have been tortured. They've been through it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and they stayed together for, like, a couple of years or something. And then, but they're broken up now. Um, a couple of years, wow. Was it, Fiona? Yeah, I think it was, like, two years or something like that. Um that's quite impressive for a yeah. dating show, especially yeah. one where the, the entire premise is a giant it's a lie, lie, a complete lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so those are my two main things about dating princes. Just like the fact that the sentiment really switched from Will is the hottie and Prince Charming to Harry is like the underdog and the rugged, handsome one. Um, and also just the concept of dating Harry. And I'm so mad that we can't watch it in Australia anymore. But that is that. I feel like it so, probably is more interesting in an explanation form than in like a 12 fair. episode long. I mean, I still want to watch it. Yeah. Um, so from so embarrassing to bit iconic, so iconic, like every part of it, like the narrative of like having like a real life Prince Charming and then also having a show like that, like every part is iconic, I think. I would have been iconic had there been any actual involvement from the royal family, even with them like trying to cancel it or something. But this way it's just like, you know, it's not even as it. iconic as that guy that was pretending to be Ed Sheeran and getting sandwiches and $35 from different churches. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just think the the concept is great. I would like to give it like an, an all lowercase iconic. Because like, you have also got to count Prince Charming in there. Okay. So iconic. Sure. Just, just the the overall hype around dating them in general, mm. I absolutely will give you iconic. Yeah, sure. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Street cred. Um, if, I think that I think the eligible bachelor angle really worked for them. I would give it a plus three because if they yeah. did not have William and Harry after the sad demise of the People's Princess, royal family would have been screwed. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. plus three for the eligibility of the princes. Yeah. Would you fire the publicist? No. 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 Because even for, like, dating Harry, the TV show, like, I want to date Harry. Or, oh, I want to marry Harry, I think it was called. Um, yes. Even for that, like, you wouldn't fire the publicist because the royal family would be like, publica, they'd be like, this is bad. But secretly, they'd be like, this is good. Make him the new eligible bachelor. Yeah. And make people take their eyes off Will and onto Harry as, like, 
that sort of vibe. So I think it was good. Yeah, it's fine. I think in terms of like, if we were going into their entire adolescence, there are a lot of stumbles, but we're not. Oh yeah, no, dating, we're talking so. just about eligible bachelor vibes. Not Nazi costumes. No. <laughs> um, okay. Relevance, relevance level, level absolutely your mum would remember it very high very yeah. high and which, wait, which now one of which us, one okay. of us <laughs> okay for what i okay let's make one of us i think that you are more likely to be not older when i'm not saying like older i'm saying overall i feel like you're a william and i'm a harry really? but i'm sorry for giving you the egghead now no because you're more so. traditionally like you know, Fiona, and shit. out of the two of us, I'm definitely the lovable rogue. I don't think so. I do. I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more rogue than you are. I don't know about that. You're, like, married, so that's pretty Prince William of you. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. I think the more, the better question is which one of us would be on I Want to Marry Harry? As a contestant or as Harry? Yeah. As a okay. contestant. As Harry? <laughs> Just the general Because, like, vibe. we can absolutely agree both of us would be able to pull this off from a production angle. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the part we would most likely, out of all of this, the part we would most likely be involved in regarding eligible bachelors, the princes, mm. it, we would be production on I Want to Marry Harry. Yeah. Um, who would be Harry? Like, no, fake Harry? No, who would be on the freaking show? Who'd be as a contestant? A, as a contestant. Okay. I mean, you. Really? I think so. Having seen clips of the show, I, I think, think that it is if more I you. were on the show, I would have serious doubts, but I'd be so crippled by the fear that it could actually be him and I'd yeah. try and call him out. <laughs> yeah, Whereas absolutely. You'd clock it and you would commit. Yeah, I'd clock yeah. and commit and I'd be out first episode because yeah. I'm onto it and the producer's like, get her out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you'd make it pretty far. I think you'd make it pretty far. <laughs> I think we would both make it far. I think if we were in that, we would like both know. You'd and be then like, I would like make my subtle excuses to bow out before I got picked as the winner. Cause I'd be like, yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want this. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay. that's it. That's, and also that's guys, can princess. you vote on Instagram? Who's Will and who's Harry? But I'm imagining it as like, pr- like peak for both of them. So uh-huh. Prince Charming Will and Harry right now. So right. Will ten years ago and Harry now. So both of them at their oh, peak. Oh, Will. Eligible. Okay, Will. Will when he was very hot and young. Yeah, I I'm saying. Like, I'm well, saying that's like, more me than it is you. I guess. Yeah, because I'm like Fine. eligible bachelor is Will when he was young and Harry now, and you're more likely to be like, you know, charming eligible bachelor, and I'm more likely to be like I to play naked billiards. I understand. Okay, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm like to do like a tough, tough mutter. <laughs> And neither of us would have worn that costume to the party. No. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Okay. That is Dating Princess. (laughs) All right, Maddie, which one do you want to do next? I think that the best place to go from here, because we've got to wrap it up with Charles and Diana. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Is Prince Andrew and Fergie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's start with Fergie. Yeah. Fergie is classic gags. Like, she really is... She is from the right stock to marry into the royal family, but boy, oh boy. Mm. <laughs> they really picked an interesting one there. So how she yeah. got into the family was basically she knew Diana already and Diana wanted a buddy in the royal family. So she kind of match made Fergie and Andrew. And boy, <laughs> boy, I don't even know where to start with Fergie. Okay. 
I'm just going to take you through a couple of Fergie scandals. Okay. Just we're like gonna kick it off. Point them. Yeah. Yes. We're kicking it off with Tex and Papa for Beatrice. So Fergie <laughs> okay. had an affair with Steve Wyatt, a Texan multimillionaire who was reportedly the love of her life. They met in 1989 while she was pregnant with Eugenie. Um, mm-hmm. Prince Andrew was away all the time and she was bored. So she went on a nice little holiday with Steve, like right after she gave birth, like two months yeah. after she gave birth. Um, Steve reportedly moved to London to be with her, which is pretty hectic for, like, a royal affair on the the woman's side. Yeah. Um, and, like, a Texan multimillionaire. All right. Um, he reportedly moved to London to be with her, which is cute and also what I should have allowed to happen in the early days of my most recent <laughs> relationship. <laughs> in late 1991, a cleaner at Steve's flat found photos of Beatrice and Fergie. And was just like, sorry, what? Because no one knew about this at this point. <laughs> yeah. The photos got out of Steve with Princess Beatrice, which yeah. was a real no-no. Like, there's photos of this random text in holding Princess Beatrice, and people were so scandalized, um, particularly that apparently he referred to Fergie as my woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, although he was said to be the love of her life, this did not end well. He got engaged to someone else around 1993, And one time Fergie found out they were at a restaurant and she drove to the restaurant to try and spy on them, but couldn't see through the window and she was too chicken shit to go in. Mood. So that's Tex and Papa (laughs) for Beatrice. Next up, we have Toe Sucking Financial Advisor, which is one of the more famous ones. I know this one, yeah. 1992, separation officially announced from Andrew. And more importantly, her actual bae is otherwise engaged. It's rebound time. Fergie goes on holiday with John Wyatt, who is in quotes her business advisor, to Saint-Tropez, also her kids. Loves to bring the kids along on these romantic jaunts, which is like, honestly, I feel like she's allowed to have her fun, but the fact the kids are always there, I'm like, oh, Fergie, come on. Yeah. Anyway, she's on this romantic jaunt. She gets papped by the pool. Um, And if you don't already know where this is going, say goodbye to your naivete, because we are indeed talking about the infamous toe-sucking photos, that is correct. Uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a very zoomed in series of pictures of Fergie on a sun lounger with this random dude holding her foot and putting it very, 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 very close to his mouth. Um, he has since said that he was kissing them. I'll buy that. But like, I, you know, gladly I was not there. So I don't know. But that's still fucking weird. Um, yeah. The Cabin Fever podcast does not support footstuff. We don't. That's just not our vibe. Yeah. Just a reminder once again that the kids are in attendance and there's a literal photo of Eugenie watching as her mom is making out with this dude, um, which is just like, when you think about the lives these kids must have had, like your dad is a prince who like we'll touch on in a minute. And you're just like your entire early adolescence and childhood just is just your this. mom flying yeah. around with random Americans. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. She also has her tits out for the boys, but, like, we're not here to hate on that. Be free, Sarah. We are here to judge the toe thing and the fact the kids are there. The most awkward part of this mm-hmm. entire thing yeah. is that the day that the shit hits the front page, like, the photos and everything, yeah. Fergie was at Balmoral with the entire family, including the queen. And like every morning, it feels they like a have very the bad Christmas. Like someone sent like your nudes in a group text on just Christmas Day. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this is the point because Fergie and Andrew have actually had a really good relationship since they broke up. Like, they're very good friends. Yeah. So she was there. They were already broken up. But she was on good terms with everyone. Unfortunately for her, she comes downstairs to see all of the newspapers spread out on the table, which is normal. That, that happens every day. But not normally are your titties and toes on the front page no. of those. Um, so she's seen herself topless getting her toes sucked and then seen the Queen of England uh, seeing her topless getting her toes sucked. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. She left very, very fast. And then um, in a quote from her book, it says, It would be accurate to report that the porridge was getting cold. Eyes wide and mouths ajar, the adults were flipping through the Daily Mirror. I hate it. Yeah. So that was really, like, imagine that coming out, but then it happening when you're in freaking Balmoral and you find out because you're seeing the queen (laughs) seeing the photos yeah jesus and then three years later fergie sent a bouquet of flowers to princess margaret and apparently princess margaret wrote her a letter back saying you have done more to bring shame on the family than could ever have been imagined so i just can't with any of that like i'm i think i'm thinking about it too much like i'm actually imagining myself in that situation and it is awful. it is so much the worst but then when you think about fergie you're like you're the only person on earth that can come back from that like the only yeah. person in the entire world. The fact that like she's still on good terms with Andrew and everyone now. Yeah. Like it was a bit Impressive. questionable whether they invited her to the royal weddings for a while there. <laughs> yeah. But I also just love the pettiness of Princess Margaret three years later being like, You've you've done more damage than anyone could have imagined. I'm like, really? Um, this is a very short one. It's called Diana's Verrucas, and it seems trivial, but it's actually very significant. Mm-hmm. So Fergie put out a book called My Story in 1996, and Princess Diana had asked her to not mention her at all. Um, unfortunately, she was indeed mentioned, and one of the ways she was mentioned is, quote, Diana helped me by giving me all her shoes, in brackets, and less happily, her planter warts. So basically, Fergie outed Princess Diana for having verrucas, <laughs> and they fell out of this. Like, Why? they fell out over this on such a monumental scale that they literally never reconciled. Like, that was, they were always kind of on and off because there was a lot of tension because Fergie was more accepted by the royal family than Diana was, and that didn't sit well. Um, but yeah, the, ultimately, the last falling out they had was because of the verruca thing in Fergie's book. And it's really sad because they were good friends, like, for so long. And apparently the day before Diana died, she was on the phone to one of their mutual friends. And she was like, how's Red? Like, she was basically saying, like, how's Fergie? Like, I want to speak to her soon. And Fergie said, like, she has no doubt they absolutely would have made up. And it was, like, on track for that to happen. But then she died the next day. So they never made up. That's, like, stressful. Yeah, and also the fact it it was over something so stupid. I'm a bit obsessed with the fact that, like, they're both so petty that Fergie's like, here's a detail in my book. And Diana's like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm the people's princess. You can't let them know I have Verrucas. Relationship ending scandal. Why? Yeah, and we're not even at the end of Fergie yet. Okay. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm gonna really try and rapid fire. The fake shake. This is the same guy that set up Talisa. Fiona, you might remember this. Um, And Uh he also set up 
obviously Fergie in 2010 for News of the World. This is the guy who like poses different people and tries to basically entrap public figures into incriminating themselves. Yeah. So what he did with Fergie is he posed as a businessman and she agreed <laughs> to introduce Hello, him. Hello, it's me, a businessman. Yeah, right? <laughs> and she agreed to introduce him to Prince Andrew for $500,000. Hmm. Which like, as if he wouldn't. Like Fergie and, and Prince Andrew were like in cahoots. Yeah. Like she, it's some easy money. She was in a lot of debt. Um, Prince Andrew says that he didn't know she was doing this, nah. but she's literally on camera saying that he told her to ask for 500k. So uh, Fergie said to Oprah that she had been drinking beforehand and was, quote, in the gutter at that moment, which is very relatable. Um, in quotes, Sterling Publishers substantially increased the print run of Ashley Learns About Strangers, the Duchess's latest book for children. <laughs> However, the notoriety did not translate into additional book sales. Like, just the uh, fact that the book publisher was like, uh-oh, she's been caught agreeing to introduce a member of the royal family to a random person for money. You know what, the, what could really benefit from this? The children's book Ashley Learns About Strangers, <laughs> which thematically she probably should have taken some lessons from. Yes. But that's the fake shake. Uh, in 2011, she had her own reality show on the oh. OWN network called Finding Sarah. Where and this is after the fake shake, so she's needs some money and she's in strife. Yeah, she consulted different experts, including Doctor Phil, trying to get her shit together, and also <laughs> apparently spends two out of six episodes on a trek through the Canadian Arctic. <laughs> Considering <laughs> I love reality TV and watch a weird amount of documentaries about the monarchy, I'd never heard of. Yeah, this I haven't show. heard of that. And this is like right after the royal wedding too. Like, oh my god, the fact she had this show. My favorite, um titles and summaries of the episodes from finding sarah are braving the big city sarah attempts to restart her writing career in new york city but is haunted by her past all right carrie which is very me um very sex in the city this next one is you which is uh-huh. soul searching in the desert sarah goes through spiritual healing while in the deserts of arizona mood and then very much the spirit of the cabin fever podcast is the finale episode six when one journey ends dot 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 a new life begins. <laughs> in the series finale, <laughs> in the series finale, Sarah goes home to England and is shocked by what is waiting for her when she arrives. <laughs> yeah, big big mood for us. <laughs> yeah. So it turns out that wasn't her first foray into reality TV, and I'm not just talking about it's a royal knockout because in 2009. Sarah participated in a much criticized ITV experiment. An experiment is <laughs> oh, in no, quotes. The fact that ITV is involved. That's the fact that you've got high. much criticized and experiment is in quotes. Yeah. It gets so much worse. Uh-huh. In which she joined families in a council estate to advise them on proper living. She stayed for 10 days in Northern Moor, a suburb area in Manchester, and the result was The Duchess on the Estate, transmitted on ITV1 on the 18th of August, 2009. A previous similar television venture, The Duchess in Hull, in which Sarah advised lower income families on diet and behavior, received similar criticism. Oh no, that's so bad. Yeah. And we're not done yet. Um, oh. Reported in 2011, apparently some of her debts, which debt is a recurring theme, and you can oh, really tell based on her endeavors. She needs to get off the TV. She really does, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was reported in 2011, some of her debts were paid off by Jeffrey Epstein, Oy. which is interesting. 
2012, the Turkish Ministry of Justice put out an arrest warrant for her because she filmed an orphanage in Turkey in 2008 and they were mad about it. Um, and in that one, it kind of does seem as though like she was exposing mistreatment. Uh-huh. But this is my favorite quote from the part on Wikipedia about that. At her trial, the lawyer representing Ferguson, who was not present, told the Ankara court that her client has apologized and would like to plea bargain with the prosecution. <laughs> she just doesn't show up. She's like, I've said I'm sorry. Like, just give me a deal. God. Uh, and I'd like to just wrap up the Fergie segment by the fact uh-huh. that she's quite active on Twitter. And you can tell sometimes that she has written the tweet to That herself. is actually her, yeah. Yes. Hey guys, me again. Just wanted to let you know that um, she also has a YouTube channel. She is very, very active on this YouTube channel. It looks like she's uploading daily. Like, you can scroll and scroll and you're not even two months back. What she does on her channel, if you're wondering, is uh, she reads children's books and does occasionally what seems to be food-related crafts. So you've got such hits as Sarah Ferguson reading If Grandma Were Here, Sarah Ferguson making bees on a a honeycomb, Sarah Ferguson making greedy Gertie waffles, uh, Sarah Ferguson reading Where a Bubble Goes, uh, and there's one just called Judith, which the thumbnail is a child. So... Very child-focused content. She's wearing a lot of brightly colored uh, accessories and seems to have an incredibly customized backdrop for these videos. She looks really happy. Um, So so happy for you, Fergie. Glad uh, this has nothing to do with Epstein. Fuck, I hope it does. He's dead. Is he dead, guys? We should make a... No, we won't. I don't want to get in trouble. I just wanted to pop in and let you know about the YouTube channel. Back to the podcast. Love you. And the final line from her is a quote from her book that I really enjoyed, which was, when you have touched the flames of hell, a branding iron is only a mild inconvenience. Oh my God. Biggest move. So that's, that's Fergie. And I think we can agree. (laughs) You've just said it. Like Fergie is such a mood. Yeah. (laughs) Everything about her is like, Jesus Christ. Okay. So ranking from iconic to is so embarrassing. Yeah. I think she's gone. Just... She's gone so far off the embarrassment scale that she's a full-on icon. That's what I mean. I was like, it's everything is so embarrassing, but because they've all piled on top of each other, it's gone right around. Yeah, the street cred is really hard because the toe sucking is messed up. But again, like she's done so much embarrassing stuff that it's completely metamorphosized her in a diff- into a different kind of public figure. Yeah, and like when you think about the royal family, people are like, "Oh, Fergie." Like, think about the fact that actual Fergie the singer named her album, like, The Duchess. Yeah. Her influence. Her influence. I think plus two. I'd give her plus two, but then absolutely fire the publicist. Yeah. Agreed. Relevance level, sky high. I don't think so. Really? I honestly remember first learning about Fergie because I had to differentiate her from pop star Fergie. That's fair. And also think about how much shit she's done that we didn't even know about. Exactly. Yes. So, so I'd I just, say moderate then, I yeah. guess. Which one of us would be Fergie? You. Sexually, you. Reality TV, me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Early, early <laughs> scandals, you. Yeah. Trying agreed. to claw back the debt, me. You. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're really uh. exposing these guys here. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, we're not going to grade which one of us is the next contestant um, because it's Prince frickin' Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to read directly from this. Yeah. 
He's such a fucking embarrassment, but also so dull. So we're only going to go into focus on one event, which very obviously is his 2019 interview for the BBC, re his incredibly lengthy and well-documented friendship with Jeffrey Epstein, who I personally... <sighs> I'm about 50% sure is currently off on an island somewhere with a brand new face. Um, but that's an issue for a different episode. And the Fair. other 50% chance um, is obviously that is he, he was murdered in jail. Yeah. yeah, he was murdered. No way. Uh, Maddie, what about yes. ch- yeah, chances of him killing himself? About zero. 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 Absolutely yeah, zero. Cool. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um, the, the only way my mind has been swayed is that I now am like, realistically, he would have had a contingency plan if someone, if, if you know, if he were dead. Like, there would have been things released. And he knows a lot of people who would have plastic surgeons on command, so he could have a new face. The only yeah. thing that's maybe changed my mind is the introduction of the new face theory. Never have I assumed he actually killed himself. Yeah, no. Um, so back to Randy Andy, which, unfortunately for him, was a real nickname he had when mm. he was younger. This interview is one of the biggest train wrecks ever, and it's so clear that he's never had any real belief that he can face consequences for anything at all on any level he's on another planet and he's also just so so dumb like he is so stupid and so out of touch with the reality of what's happening so here are the highlights of the prince andrew interview i'm sure we're all familiar but it really is a treat um when he says he automatically assumes anyone he isn't specifically introduced to his staff so in quotes I don't wish to appear grand, but there were a lot of people who were walking around Jeffrey Epstein's house. As far as I was aware, they were staff. So he thinks he's saying, I didn't know the criminals, but what he's really saying is anyone I don't know, I assume is staff. Great. Wonderful start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Another highlight is when he basically said that he stayed buddies with Epstein after Epstein went to prison the first time because he thought it was the honorable thing to do. But then he also says that he actually met up with Jeffrey intending to call off their bromance, but lost his nerve and bitched out. And they just went for a nice walk instead. So a lot of contradiction, two bad options. Yeah. Um, when they show him a literal photo of himself with the alleged victim, and he's not really denying that it's him, but it doesn't, mm, he thinks maybe it doesn't look like his hand. So Wait, his what? problem is not, there's a photo of him with the alleged victim. Yeah. And he, at no point is he like, that's not me. Yeah. But he sees the hand placement in the photo and uh-huh. it's like, that doesn't look like my hand, actually. The direct quote is, we can't be certain as to whether or not that's my hand on her, whatever it is, left left side. Um, nobody can prove whether or not that photograph has been doctored, but I don't recollect that photo ever being taken. God. Of all the things, like just being like, Start with no one can prove the photo hasn't been doctored. Don't be yeah. like, mm, I don't know if I would have put my hand on her left side. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know about that. This is what I mean. Like, he's so stupid and he really doesn't understand the gravity of what's happening. Yeah. Um, pompous would be the word. Yes. And then there is the real the real piece de la resistance, which is when he tells us he can't have had the sex he's being accused of <laughs> because he 100% remembers every sex he's ever done. Yeah, all the sex that he the did. Life, <laughs> such is the life of a manly man. And the quote here is, if you're a man, it is a positive act to have God, sex with somebody. You have to mm, take some sort of positive action. And so therefore, if you try to forget, it's very difficult to try and forget a positive action. And I do not remember anything. I just, I, I don't even know where to start unpacking no. that. Um, so I'm just going to move on. To we need the, a whole the grand episode finale, to unpack that. Which is 
what everyone, everyone, everyone knows. It's when he did something crazy, guys. He went to Pizza Express in Woking. <laughs> so he could not have been clubbing with a 17-year-old in 2001. No, could not. Um, no, not because he wouldn't do that, but of because course. he actually, like, very conveniently... 18 years later, remembers what he was doing on that day. Specifically that he was at a Pizza Express in Woking. Yeah. Well, it's because his schedule was, quote, very unusual. Um, What could he have possibly been doing that was so unusual? Was he overseas? Was he meeting dignitaries? Was he christening a yacht? No, nothing as humdrum as that. This was absolutely bonkers because what he was doing on this particular day was, put lightly, buck wild, he was at a Pizza Express in Woking. And not any Pizza Express. <laughs> a Pizza Express in Woking. Yeah. And if you've ever been to Woking, boy oh boy. You don't forget that Pizza Express. That is harder to forget <laughs> than a positive act. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> and we were all very convinced at that point. We're like, no man in his right mind is going to forget being at Pizza Express in Woking. Like 18 years is nothing. It's the blink of an eye when you've had an experience like that. <laughs> shocks you to your it. core. Yeah. And then just to drive home the fact that he's completely innocent, despite so much evidence, allegedly, um, he he confirmed for us that he actually definitely could not have been at that club with that 17-year-old. Again, not because it's something he wouldn't ever do, but because she described him as sweating profusely. And sorry, as easy as it is to imagine Prince Andrew sweating profusely, it's not actually... It's not biologically possible, yeah. Um, And here's why. Uh, In quotes, there's a slight problem with the sweating because I have a peculiar medical condition, (laughs) which is that I don't sweat or I didn't sweat at the time. And that was, uh, was it? Yes, I didn't sweat at the time because I had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot. And I simply, (laughs) it was almost impossible for me to sweat. And it's only because I've done a number of things in the recent past that I am starting to be able to do that again. So I'm afraid to say that there's a medical condition that says I didn't do it. So therefore... Innocento. I'm just like, the fact he's like, I actually had a medical condition where I can't sweat. And like, I've been doing rehab exercises to be able to do that thing again. So really insensitive, Yeah, because you do often... I know that if I stop sweating, I would say, fuck. Like, I need to get all the best medical professionals on this because I just want to be a sweaty, I need clammy a get back guy on my again. Groove, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why Pins Andrew is absolutely innocent. Let's rank him on the spectrum from iconic to so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Yeah, There's he no goes... no iconic part. The only thing lower than him is the Nazis. And it's also like, it's all lowercase so embarrassing, but because we're saying like, that's so embarrassing. Like, it's just so embarrassing. Yeah. Like his I, his connection to Epstein is like high key. So, it's a it's, it's so embarrassing. Fucked, yeah. But this interview is just like it's so embarrassing. embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. Street cred minus three. three. Yeah. Um. Would you fire the publicist? Yes, if there were one. Yeah. Relevance level. It's so recent. Yeah. You know, high. 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 Which one of us is it? Neither. neither. Absolutely. Okay. Neither. Which which one of us? I, I, I think I know, but mm-hmm. which one of us would get caught doing something bad, not on the level that he did, but just something very caught, caught doing that we shouldn't be doing and freaks out and says that they couldn't have done it because they were at a Pizza Express in working and they actually medically can't sweat. I don't know, because my thing is you would come up with a lie that elaborate, but yes. you'd come up with a lie that's better. Thank you. Yeah. Whereas I would, I wouldn't even commit to it, and I would just say some absolute crap. Yeah. I yeah. feel like 
it's probably so content is me delivery is you thank you cool yeah, yeah. sounds good yeah. <laughs> so now that we've covered fergie and the horrible one andrew yeah what do we got left we got princess die everything leading up to the old crash basically good god and we really we're on a time crunch here guys yeah okay. we've already recorded for like an hour and 10 minutes sorry that we're so entertaining and insightful it's yes. not called edutainment for nothing guys <laughs> we've reached it we're ramping up to the grand finale we've yep. got charles we've got diana we've got camilla because she's always freaking there waiting in the wings and we've got a, now, a really haunted tunnel with no fire <laughs> preferably no fire yeah the charred remains anyway you may be familiar also from the podcast that i'm really heavy on the diana conspiracy train yes. so don't expect this to be super thorough because we probably will do an entire episode on that at some point yeah on the people's princess and the the dirty deeds that were done to her correct for now we're just providing you with some context of what was leading up to the yeah, the, the, the literal the and figurative car crash that yeah. was Charles and Diana. Yeah. yeah. So, the first real bombshell that came out was in 1992, and this is the book. This is a book by an author called Andrew Morton called Diana, Her True Story. Yeah. And the source for this was Diana. So she reached out to him and said that she wanted to, to help him write a book about what was going on in her life. She's ready to expose and they worked it out so that he would give a list of questions and a tape recorder to one of her friends who would then go in and like basically interview her on tape. Yeah. So all of the info that came out in this book was literally from Diana. But at the time, we all, as the public, thought it was just like very close friends of hers. Yeah. So most of what comes out in this book is just like very sad and worrying. Like, but it was bombshells at the time. Because prior to this, like... There, people may have picked up that Charles and Diana weren't on, like, the best of terms in their marriage, but they had no idea even half of what we know now. Yeah. Hey, guys, just wanted to pop in and let you know before we start, Diana, that this section does contain us touching very briefly on potentially triggering subjects, so we don't go into detail on everything, um, or on anything, really, but we do mention here and there that certain things do crop up, so if you are particularly sensitive to talk about eating disorders or self-harm or suicide, I would just probably skip through this because you never know where it's going to pop up. So just skip to the very end um, where we rank everything because we don't want anybody to be unnecessarily triggered, even if it is just a very brief mention because we love you. Going to jump back into it now. So in this book, it covers like her, her mental illnesses the fact she had five suicide attempts like that was ma a massive revelation at the time um it's the first time that you really get this picture painted of uncaring charles like the fact that he really was just so cold to her you find out in this book that she threw herself down the stairs while she was pregnant with william because charles just like would not pay attention to her and that was massive because first yeah. of all incredibly dramatic for anyone, incredibly dramatic, anyone who is pregnant, and then you're pregnant with the heir to the throne and you're just throwing yourself down the stairs. Yeah. Huge. Um, there were a lot of various details of self-harm and her eating disorder, which we're never going to go, we're not going to go into anything about that because that, that's needlessly triggering. Um, yeah. We also learned that she was on Valium, like, all the time and that she had postnatal and regular old depression, which, 
if you think about how much stigma there still is talking about mental health nowadays, like the fact Princess Diana in 1992, wild. Um, We also found out that Charles was pissed off that Harry wasn't a girl. And like to Mm. a, a really weird extent, like he complained about it to people all the time. Um, and she feels as though when Harry came out and he wasn't a girl, that's when Prince Charles just like called it a day yeah. and stopped trying at all. Um, there are just a lot of details about how miserable she was the entire time and how Charles is just a massive dick. And you do also start to get a bit of a picture of Charles and Camilla. So that's a huge bombshell that comes yeah, out that in the middle of the Annus Horribilis. Yeah. Um, and especially now knowing that it was literally all info from her. It's wild to think about absolutely um the next kind of thing that happens in the back and forth publicly between charles and diana is in june 1994 and this is an interview with prince charles so this is after the book but diana's famous interview has not happened yet which i thought it was after that but not this is such a fucking mess so It's basically packaged as a documentary to commemorate the 25th anniversary of Prince Charles being invested as the Prince of Wales. Yeah. But he thought this was a a good opportunity to to chat shit, basically, and try and clear his name. And it just, like, it does not come off well. You can see exactly what they were trying to do because it's so bizarre. Like, there are clips of him trying to show he's a family man and he, like, loves his sons and, like, sure, whatever. But you have clips of him being like, my kids are so important. And then it cuts to him justifying the fact he was cheating on his, like, child bride. And the juxtaposition is just so damaging. But you can tell he thinks this is a good move. Yeah. Um, It's largely very boring, though. Like, he comes across really, really lame and really aloof. um, And it just is quite transparent. He admits to cheating on Diana. Yeah. Which is big. Which is But also, like... It's big, but didn't get as much attention as it should have, in my opinion. Well, if you think about it, though, like, I've heard this quote a bunch. So, like, he basically said, they phrased it because this interviewer is obviously, like, a PR pawn for the crown. Yeah. So they are, it's so carefully orchestrated. Don't know why Prince Andrew didn't get any of that. (laughs) Um, But they're like, "Were, were you faithful in your marriage? And he goes, yes. Until it became irretrievably <laughs> broken down. And, like, so that's a no. Yeah, that's like, simply He a no. basically tries to pawn it off, like, we both tried really hard, and then it completely broke down. And, like, after we both were out of it, then I did cheat on my wife. Yes, but it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, which is absolute bullshit, allegedly. Um, <laughs> sadly for him, the public did not take this as the reasonable explanation he'd hoped they might. And The Sun conducted a poll after this interview, and... Two-thirds of people who responded said they can considered Charles unfit to be king. Yeah. Which is huge. Like, the people were not buying his shit, and the fact he decided to try and gloss over his adultery in the middle of a feature-length documentary about all his accomplishments was, you know, maybe a bit out of touch. And the most important thing about this is, yeah, he's admitting to cheating on Princess Diana, which is so embarrassing. It literally did not matter what he said in that interview because the same night that it aired diana rocked up to the serpentine gallery in london (laughs) wearing what is now widely known as the revenge dress 
Yeah. If you just Google Princess Diana you know, Revenge, Revenge dress, dress, you'll see it. It comes up. So the next day, all the front pages were just her looking smoking. And it like, how embarrassing is this for Charles and his admissions? Yeah. So he didn't even get that. Yeah. Sucks to suck, bitch. Sorry about now, it. The final word in this interview back and forth, the dueling interviews, if you will, is one of the most famous interviews ever. It's just one of the most groundbreaking, iconic pieces of press that exists. And it is Diana's interview that aired on November 20th, 1995 with Panorama. And this is an interview I guarantee you have seen clips from, heard clips from, like, you'd know it if you saw a screenshot. Yeah. And it covers so much. It's on YouTube and I watched it and it is just like, it is so candid and she comes across so well. Like, she doesn't play the victim, but she makes it clear that she has been, like, the victim. Has been the victim. Yeah, absolutely. So the topics she covers are similar things to the book. So self-harm, bulimia, postnatal depression. She talks about her experience marrying into the royal family and what she expected when she was 19 and how she wanted things to be and then compares that to how they actually panned out. Yeah. And what she does so cleverly is at no point does she point the finger. She's always like, this is how it happened. She's not like, this person did that. Yeah, she's that like, this person is just did that. the reality of it. Yeah. Um, And she talks a lot about how the media interest from the start on their relationship was a lot more intense than they expected. And she's very, very self-aware about, like, the fact that however high a pedestal they put her on is how far they're eventually going to want to see you fall. Yeah. And a lot of this interview is really eerie because it is her foreshadowing, like, what's going to happen to her. Yeah. Like, she does not have a good feeling. But she knows that she needs to take control of the narrative. Um. She says that she realized really quickly the only options for her were sink or swim and that she she would have to get through it on her own. Yeah. And she said that she chose to swim, but she knew she'd have to do it by herself because she wasn't going to get help from Charles. No. Or she wasn't going to get it from anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. There was also um, her saying that when she started gaining popularity, especially on their Australia tour... Yeah. That was so hard for Charles to deal with. And so much of what she says is just like... They had such a good opportunity with her. Yeah. And she really did want to try it. But it was just Charles being a little bitch baby, being mad that he couldn't be with Camilla, and then being mad that he wasn't the center of attention. Legit, though. Um, that was it. So, for instance, like, when they would go on, like, a meet and greet, people would be lining both sides of the street, and the people who were on Charles's side would be, like, visibly disappointed. <laughs> and he did not handle that well. Like, he got really <laughs> very damaged. By people liking her more. And it's like, he's so dumb. Like, if he'd just been like, yeah, my hot wife. Yeah. It's like, you're so threatened. She wanted to be a team with you, you friggin' idiot. Yeah. Um, So that's like, she talks a lot about that. And that's something that I think we all kind of know about now. But the fragility of Charles and how much he was threatened by her. Yeah. Really came out in this interview. Um, She introduces her humanitarian aspect very on, which is very clever. Um, but she also does it in a way where she says she was given no training and had to create her own role as Princess of Wales, which yeah. again is like, you guys weren't helping me. Luckily, I'm a humanitarian and I just followed my instincts and it went great. Um, yeah. She spoke really openly about mental health and postnatal depression, which was really groundbreaking. Yeah. Um, and she basically says that she was the first person in the royal family that openly suffered and was really comfortable with displaying emotion. Yeah, which and was they like had really hard no for them because they were like... 
you're just meant to like be this prim proper thing and she's like no i've, I've got shit going on like they yeah, think about what that. you were saying like princess anne had a gun pointed at her and she didn't even flinch like they had no idea what to do with someone who had emotions which is very very telling and yeah. a lot of the interview was her confirming people's kind of suspicions that the royals were very cold. Yeah. So she basically, she gave the impression that anyone who marries into the family is never part of the core family, that they're willing to sacrifice like outliers for the good of the firm. She talks about the logistics of the separation, which was again, unheard of for the royal family. Yeah. You get the really iconic line once she starts talking about Charles and Camilla, which that's the main thing to come out of this is openly talking about Charles and Camilla and you get the line there were three of us in this marriage so it was a bit crowded and the delivery of that line like i know you can see it yeah but like that line alone nail in the coffin for prince charles there yeah um she talks shit about how prince charles's friends would suggest she got sent away because she was unstable yeah um the establishment saw her as quote a non-starter um she said she got in trouble for leading from the heart, but quote, someone's got to go out there and love people and show it. So she's really positioning herself as the people's princess here. Yeah. She confirmed that she was the source for the book. She yeah. confirmed that the squidgy tapes were real, but denied having an affair with him. She did, however, confirm one affair that she had with a man named James Hewitt, who a lot of people think is Prince Harry's real dad. I don't have many thoughts yeah. on that. She touched on media harassment um, and really talked about the fact that she still felt, despite not being with Charles anymore, that she had a role to play that was important within the family, especially due to to William and Harry. Um, In quotes, she says, I do think that there are a few things that could change that would alleviate this doubt and sometimes complicated relationship between monarchy and public. I think they could walk hand in hand as opposed to being so distant. Which sounds kind of low-key, but the fact the Princess of Wales is publicly saying that about the monarchy was, like, was enormous. Um, And another huge thing Mm -hmm. she said that was, like, very dangerous was she basically said that she didn't think that Charles should be king. Yeah. Like, she basically said she didn't think he was capable of it. Um, And she talked a lot about deliberately raising her sons differently than the establishment and positioning them to understand people. And she said that she, yeah. And she's, she's just so positioning herself as like, I am with the people and therefore they're not, you know, Um, but saying it in ways that she can't get in trouble from like the general public because she hasn't said anything directly horrible. Yeah. And one of the other things she said was that, she did not ever think she would be queen. Like, she just had the gut feeling that yeah. she would never end up being the queen. And she also said she didn't think that many people wanted her as queen. However, she wished to be a queen of people's hearts in people's <laughs> hearts. Yeah. Like, she nailed this. This is just, like, the most iconic interview ever. She has, like, solidified herself as the queen of people's hearts. Like, imagine the headlines the next day. There were three people in our marriage. It was a bit crowded. She also said the establishment saw her as a threat of some kind. Yeah. And that she won't go quietly. Which was and that a is, lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. And that is the final piece in the dueling interviews, Charles and Diana back and forth. And that was near the end of 1995. All right. So... So embarrassing to bit iconic. I mean, his so embarrassing, hers completely iconic. Yeah. So Diana's medium, the most iconic. The yes. The absolute most iconic. Street cred plus three. Yeah. 
Like, it was Absolutely. already high, but sky high. Would you fire the publicist? No, raise. Um, would your mom remember it? <laughs> yes. Sky high. Yes. Sky high. Which one of us would do this? Ooh. Both of us. Both of us. I think, I honestly do think I... Who's more likely to do the book and who's more likely to do the interview? You do book, I would do interview. I don't know. I think I could pull off the interview slightly better. I think we could both do it very well, though. I think because I would have, a, I think my fear would control me more than yours would. That's what I mean. Like, so I, I think, I, like, I, yeah. from a public speaking perspective, like, I'm more comfortable doing that sort of thing. So I think I would nail that. Uh, I don't agree with that on any level. <laughs> like, I, I do a lot of public, I'm very fine with that. What I meant is I would be scared that they would have me offed. Fair. I mean. Yeah. I think I'm fine in interviews, fear. Fiona. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's the problem here. Now, Charles's interview, it's. It's a negative, negative two, because it's not a negative three, but it's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, it's not good. Street cred, he's literally admitted to cheating on the People's Princess with Camilla Parkerballs. Minus three. Would you fire the publicist? Yes. yes. Relevance level, not as high as die. Like, yeah. Which one of us is it? It's probably me. It's it's probably me. Yeah, like, probably you, yeah. But it's like yeah. not it's not strongly you, but it's like if we have to pick no, one. Yeah. But like if it's one of us, then it's probably me. Yeah. Be like, here's a full documentary, by the way, I'm I'm a good guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oof. The final one, which we we're just it, gonna brush over. Because I had people coming over soon. Um <laughs> And also because we really do be needing to do a conspiracy episode. We do. Um essentially we're going to be talking about Hot Girl Summer of Princess Diana and her eventual death. So the Hot Girl Summer was basically just after her and Charles broke up. Like, this interview happened during Hot Girl Summer. She was just going around. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Oh, like, at the start of it. What do you think the Hot Girl Summer is? The Hot Girl Summer is summer 1997. Oh, I guess there was, like, a gap. Why do I think they were so close together? There was a year and a half of a gap. Oh. Essentially, it was just a summer where she was going around, socialising a lot. There's a cool photo of her and he got. She was footloose and fancy. Yeah, just like living her best life. That was the vibe that kind of was emerging clearly with the interview. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I associate with that because I'm just like, she's clearly on that way. Um, And yeah, so she basically just had the best hot girl summer around Europe that a gal could ever dream of. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from the ending, which wasn't great. I mean, just on on the download beneath the surface, it was very sad on a lot of levels, as is everything with Princess Diana. But on the outside, yeah. she's just wearing like leopard print really bathing cool suits outfits. on yachts, yeah. and she's not married to Ugly Charles anymore. Yeah, it is truly it is the epitome of hot girl summer. Is summer '97 for Princess Diana? Yeah. Um, but then, oopsie, she died at the end of it. So you don't have anything about what happened in Hot Girl Summer? No, that was kind of it. Jesus Christ. What what else happened? She like oh had a God. she had a hot boyfriend? Like Dodie? Well she she broke up with a long term boyfriend, then she got invited on the yacht by Mohammed Al Fayed, who owned Harrods. And normally he'd invite her and she'd be like, no, but this year she was like, fuck it, hot girl summer. So she and the boys went on the yacht. <laughs> then the boys went home. She gets introduced to Dodie Al Fayed, who's Mohammed Al Fayed's son. Yeah. Who is engaged at the time to be married very soon. Oh, I didn't know that. To bit. a model. Yeah, he was meant to be getting married, like, a week or two later. Oh, damn. Yeah, and so she just gets dumped, and now he's with Princess Diana. Yeah. And they're basically, like, all flirty, and they're contradicting kind of accounts as to whether they were, like, super in love, or it was, like, 
kind of a non-event. Yeah. But it very much looked like, here's Princess Diana with this new boy on a yacht. Um, And there were also rumors that she was pregnant, but, like, there are always rumors that everyone's pregnant if they're in a a bathing suit. Yeah. I mean, but that does kind of... That's part of why people think she might have been killed off. As you may have guessed, uh, Dodi El-Fayed was not a blonde, blue-eyed white man. No. Um, And also, this contributes to the death thing. A big part of the hot girl summer was the press intrusion and the fact you could get so much money of Princess Diana went through the roof just over that course of a couple of weeks. Yeah. Someone got a photo of her, like, kissing Dodi Al-Fayed and sold it for, like, an unprecedented amount of money. Yeah, like, an insane amount. Yeah. And that's why there were just so many photographers all at once, all of a sudden. Yeah, capturing Hot Girl Summer. The people's princess. Um, So, then we get to the death, which was um, in, like, the very early hours on the 31st of August in 1997... Um, she was traveling from a restaurant that they'd been at, um, and they were dining and dining, having a lovely evening. And then they decided that they wanted to go, but they didn't want to deal with the press. And so they sent like Diana's team out, like pretending she was going out the front. Like a decoy. Yeah. Like a decoy. And then snuck out the back with a driver and her partner. So this is... Sorry? Is the driver a bodyguard, Dodie and Diana? Yeah, sorry, yeah, bodyguard as well, yeah. So there's the four of them, and there are a few things about the bodyguard, the driver, and all that, but I'll get into that in a moment. So essentially what happens is they're driving, and then allegedly there are... I'm just going to say allegedly for all of this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly um, the paparazzi are just taking so many photos and zooming around, and the flashes and the driver who appears to be inebriated crash and uh diana actually survives the crash initially although the um her partner and the driver both died on the spot but the bodyguard was um seriously injured and diana was very 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 badly injured um and as we all know she died after being taken to hospital like but after like a million fucking years. I love how we're like, hmm, we're gonna, everything you say, I'm like, the conspiracy for this is. I know, I'm like, I'm like, God. here's like the bare bones of it. Yeah, you're like, here are the facts, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything about like the aftermath of it? And then we can save the actual conspiracy for a full episode. I mean, I just wanted to talk about, essentially people, okay, you can think of it too mainstream ways there are a few different conspiracies around it but there are two main ones one is that oh no the guy crashed and she just died and it was just a horrible accident i love that you're referring to that as the first conspiracy theory (laughs) (laughs) the first widely believed version of events no you're correct it's conspiracy theory. and the second other widely believed uh version of events (laughs) is that the royals did it. And here are some reasons why people think that the royal family would have wanted to off Princess Diana. Allegedly. Allegedly. If they did. But, like, so so allegedly. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just because, like, why... Like, it's just... Ugh, I don't even know what it is. We will yeah. do a whole conspiracy we will, episode, guys. But Basically, I all we can tell you about the car crash though. is that, like, there was a car crash and Princess Diana was dead by the end of it. Yes. Those are some facts. 
Those are some facts that we're willing to admit. That's about it, though, because we do have a lot of opinions. Yeah, because of how, like, you guys know everything leading up to it, as we just discussed. Like, the scandal of her leaving, that interview, hot girl summer. Like, there's a lot of... The vibe is enough to make you think it was set up, allegedly. Um, but It's like the loose cannon energy and the royal family not being good at damage. Exactly. But here are just, like, ten things that people commonly believe are, like, that's it. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that Charles couldn't remarry if Princess Diana was still alive. So basically they believe that, like, even though they technically could once the divorce happened, etc., it was going to be really damaging to his reputation as if it wasn't already damaged enough. It's like when someone overthrows a monarchy, they kill all the heirs because there's too much attachment. There. Exactly. So like if Diana's alive, people won't accept him remarrying. Exactly. So that is one alleged reason why people allegedly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also, in general, her dating a Muslim man who was in blonde, blue eyes, all of that. Yeah, because um, she did have, like, a long-term, very secret relationship with, I think, I think a Pakistani doctor? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah she Khan. basically wasn't racist enough for the royal family, allegedly. Yeah. They were all pissed because they're like, mm, sorry, the stepdad of the princes can't be anything but white and rich. Legit. And I'm like, he's rich as hell. Dirty Fayed, but not white enough. Um, and there was also, like, some rumor that, um, like there was um, a ring that Dodi Fayed had, but I don't believe that because it's like, they knew each other for like a minute. Like That is quite funny because there's a ring on display at like, his father has made like a memorial at Harrods and there's a ring on display and they're like, <laughs> this isn't the actual ring. This is just a ring. That's funny. <laughs> um, Rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There is also um, the pregnancy rumours. That were floating around. Um, So there were, like, negative pregnancy tests, but because they couldn't, like, do thorough tests like they would normally do because she was, like, embalmed super quickly and they, like, really just, like, were like, body, it's done. Sorry. No Mm looksies. Very fucking weird on pregnancy and on other fronts, allegedly. Yeah, we'll get into that another time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There was also that um, the driver uh, was allegedly an informant for the secret service uh and there were things like he'd seen like an assassination somewhere um and like was using a fake name and things like that there was also something about like one of the paparazzi that was spotted nearby like sometimes did like surveillance work for governments and yeah like that. that was like for like mi6 and shit there's also yeah. like a foreign government angle as well which is like a whole different conspiracy theory it's like a similar one like it was stage but like not by the royal family but i just kind of don't even have time to go into that one um we're stating purely facts here today these are purely alleged facts um there was also like the way that like the driver was blinded um could you hear my quotation marks around that because yeah. it was like this one specific like flash from a paparazzi thing um like you know just a little sus on that um and what was the other one? Oh yeah, and then there was also that people thought the driver wasn't actually drunk. So people also say that they crashed because the driver was not meant to be the driver. Like he'd gone home, had a few wines, and then got called back to do it because like they needed a decoy set and then also to get them out. The driver not actually being drunk is one of the things that actually convinces me the most, and we will get into that, I'm sure, at some point. But yeah. like Yeah. So But yeah, in terms of like actual reasons that people think the royals would have had 
to offer. Yes. It basically boils down to the the threat of who she may end up with and that would be associated with them. Yeah. And the damage she'd already done and how much. And there's also just that do. like she wasn't given like medical treatment in the in the tunnel. Like, she was there for a long time. It was, like, ten whole minutes or some shit like that. That's, like, half of my conspiracy, and it's there are some explanations. Insane. Guys, this is killing us, so we're gonna have to wrap okay, up yeah, the we'll wrap up because, now, like, but like, there is, trust me... If there's a princess so in a tunnel, and, like, paparazzi, like, just take a few pics, and, like, no one's like, let's do any... Nah. 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 <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut because it'll be a three-parter of me just explaining the conspiracies. Yeah. So... Let us know if you want that, though. Let us know if you want the People's Princess Conspiracy episode. Yeah. Um, Fiona has people coming over an hour ago. Yeah. So we're going <laughs> to wrap, gonna this wrap up. it up. Hey, sweet babies. Checking in probably one last time just to say, because we were in such a rush to wrap this up, we did not touch at all on the public fallout after Princess Diana's death, which is probably quite an important component for the royal family. Um, brief summary of that is the public uh, were very, very unhappy with the royal family, particularly the Queen's reaction to Diana dying. They said that she wasn't doing enough, that they weren't respecting her, blah, 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 blah. And they were in a lot of trouble, um, re-public opinion, because of their perceived inaction and not caring when Diana died. But then they did manage to gradually pull it back by doing some unprecedented things um, and basically using William and Harry and making them do a lot of PR stuff that I think personally was really inappropriate given they were young boys whose mother had just died. But yeah, we, we really did need to wrap up because this two-parter took us five hours to record. Bye-bye. We've just gone through and we think we've got a spectrum of so embarrassing to the most iconic. Yeah. So most embarrassing... Philip's family's Nazi connections. Yeah, nothing will ever be more embarrassing than that. Yes, we could not put anything lower than that. The only thing that can compete with that is Andrew. Is Prince Andrew, yeah. obviously. Uh, then we've got the Anna Cerebralis, so really just, just for the sh- sheer magnitude. Yeah, it just really shattered a lot of things. And especially showing how rich they are and the fact they still wanted more money yeah. was really embarrassing. Wasn't good, wasn't good. And then uh, our beloved Tampon Gate, because God, for obvious reasons. very obvious reasons. I'm going to follow tampons with toe sucking. We've got Fergie coming up next. Mm-hmm. Then we're getting to the more neutral territory where it's like embarrassing and iconic. Which yeah. is, well, you oh, didn't, well, the you, didn't you didn't move squidgy tapes. So next That's is squidgy true. tapes because just kind of like it is very neutral. Yeah, because it's like, we feel sorry for Diana, but it's embarrassing that guy said it so many times. Exactly. Um, then we start getting to some pretty iconic territory with Royal Knockout. Obsessed, Which I iconic. I think we'll all agree we're going to be checking out on YouTube later on. Yes. Then we've got Princess Anne telling her abductor, what did she Not say? Bloody Not bloody likely. likely. <laughs> and then it's a professional iconic. boxer coming through. This would have been high if like she was more high profile. But, like, mm. it's it's so much. And then we have... But she, look at who she's competing with, though. Yeah, exactly. Next up, hot princes. The eligible yeah. bachelors being princes. Just the hype. The Just hype the hype around, around it. Two young guns. Yeah. Keeping Di's legacy strong. Truly. You know what we haven't placed is Charles's interview, and I would put that... Charles's interview goes somewhere near Tampon Gate. I don't think he gets his interview Same level as Tampon Gate. Yeah. He's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously... The number one and two spots both go to the People's Princess, the Queen of Hearts, <laughs> Lady Di. We've got our interview, we've got the Hot Girl Summer, and we've got our untimely demise, which I'm sure we will unpack for you and completely debunk in a future episode. 
So this has been a very loaded two-parter that we really did not think would be this long. We really did not think we'd be recording five hours later. But Jesus Christ. (laughs) It is completely dark in my apartment. Yeah. And I'm very hungry. So... Thank you guys for listening. Mm-hmm. We'll see you in two weeks with some uh, bonkers fun. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at A Cabin Fever. And we'll see you then. That's it. Bye. Ciao.